0: Welcome to Signs of Life, Exploring Survival of Consciousness, brought to you by Forever Family Foundation, on the web at foreverfamilyfoundation.org. I call your name, the echo is haunting, the echo is always the same. I call your name, the echo is haunting, and echo. Never be changed. So I call your name.
1: your name And welcome to the gathering on Signs of Life Radio. Sorry, we're a little bit late, but we're here now. Um, this is the gathering, and uh, this is our monthly show where we address your questions. Sometimes you email them to us. Sometimes you call us. Uh, If you'd like to call in during the show, we'd love to hear from you. The number here is 888-627-6008. I don't have many announcements, if any, but I will mention that, you know, our grief retreats are sold out uh, a year in advance. So, um, the one that still has a few seats is July of next year in Connecticut. And I think we have seven seats left for that. So if um, if you're interested, if you think you'll be interested, now would be the time. And you can find that information on the website. So I guess we should get right to some questions. And by the way, I think this might be a little bit different because Melissa and Tom and myself, we we came up with some questions that we didn't discuss with each other and were curious about what the other one thinks. But uh, before we get to that, um, let me read some of them that came in. This one, uh, you know, came in today and it was, it was addressed to me and it says, uh, Hi Bob, I'm reading your book right now, The Medium Explosion. And in it, a sentence went by, which stopped me in my tracks, which read, we must keep in mind that those no longer embodied also have free will and thus the ability to help after to help alter the course of direction in our physical lives and he writes hold on it seems the problem on this side stems from free will we abuse and misuse this powerful gift and i don't want to believe that there is potential for corruption on the other side so the struggles continue eternally it sounds exhausting uh, my comments aside, would you expound upon this subject? Um, what is known about free will on the other side? Are there any checks and balances there? Uh, we see how the embodied handle free will here. Uh, what guarantees the disembodied will not misuse the misuse their free will? Fascinating and challenging to think about. Uh, so, I, well, thank you, Earl, for that uh, that question and. I agree with you that it could be a little bit unsettling to think that those um, in the next world have free will, but it's all about perspective. I mean, here where we get into trouble is very often free will is based upon our greed or our ego or a desire for power, um, things normally associated with the physical realm. In the next realm, where you're an entity of thought, um, I don't believe that these such emotions and things exist. There's no incentive to make decisions based upon these things because they just are not there. Uh, So free will is very different in in the realm to come. Uh, um, The actions that we take there, instead of being based on ego are based upon the greater good or things like love and empathy and compassion and the desire to help others. So, um help others including our loved ones, still in the physical form so i I understand your concern uh but I think that it's all about perspective, and our perspective is quite different uh Tom or Melissa do you, you wanna throw your two cents in on that
0: i have two cents i i- hi bob i hi. you know i i want it reminded me of some of the things we all read in that book, Testimony of Light, and I almost feel as though that period of free will within the spirit realm might occur soon after one passes until they get sort of acclimated to where they now are and what their journey is to be. And I only, when I refer reference the book, It's because in it, I believe, they described that all facades that we may have here pretending we're something we're not are dropped away when you cross over. So there on the other side, you may have clusters of people who were very egocentric or into wealth and, you know, some of the items that were mentioned in the question. But I think over time. I who knows time means nothing, but who, so who on the other side? So who knows what period of time? But I think there there might be that level where you're working through the, some of those things.
2: Yeah, and I uh, feel I, I love the question. By the way, uh, it, it is thought provoking, and uh, when I hear free will on the other side, I, I am drawn to a reading, a medium meeting where my father came through and talked about, well, I can do this and I can do that. And everything's going at a uh, hundred miles an hour. And, and, you know, that to me is his free will. And I think it's because of the nature of what we have uh, um, seen the evidence of for the under, other side, that it's a, a loving, nurturing environment. So, it's a huge leap, as it may be here on this planet, when you say, well, I've got free will. Well, well, gosh, if you have free will, then that's gonna lead to corruption. And yes, it leads a lot of people to corruption, but it's a it's an even bigger leap on the other side, because as you mentioned earlier, there's no money, there's no greed, avarice, power, that none of that stuff that draws people to a corruption on this planet, uh, even exists, as you mentioned before. So I think free will is more that you can do things as you please, uh, that you're, you're not restricted. But as far as, like I say, it's, it's a huge leap to then say, well, that can lead to corruption. I'm, I'm doubtful. But that is possible
1: on the other side. Yeah. You know, a, a related thought, uh, which, which comes up occasionally, is that if we assume, based upon what we know, that communication, all communication takes place in the next realm telepathically, um, so that means that all of the other people in the same realm that we're in, in the afterlife, can hear our own thoughts, because we could hear you know other people's thoughts and some people might find that a bit unsettling thinking well what wait you know it's uh it's quite of an uh, invasion of privacy and what if i i don't want everybody to hear what i'm thinking but it goes along the same lines because we're not hiding anything you know there so you know it's it's we're only thinking in physical terms and that's why it's unsettling to us but i think Like a switch gets flipped when we're on on the other side.
2: And corruption. One of the key elements of corruption is that you are conning people, and as you say, you can't con anybody on the other side, right? No.
1: Yeah. Here's a um, a good question from our friends, uh, you know, Jim and and Sharon, and they said their question regards the thought that when we cross over, we are greeted by family and friends. Then we have a life review followed by atonement. And we reach a higher vibration level as our spirit grows and matures. Sometimes this growth involves reincarnation. And the question is, how how did this belief system evolve? Was it evidence that was revealed through mediumship? Or was it something else? And it's a good question. And there's more going on there. I mean, regarding life reviews, I mean, some people have these life reviews um, as they're still straddling two worlds. You know, they're not quite out of this one and they're not quite in the next. And in other people, it seems that they don't have them until they completely shed their bodies and they move to the next realm. And instead of atonement, I would I would call it more of a self-judgment um, than 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 atonement. Um uh, and the way i understand it you know the life review can uh, can occur before or after we're greeted by family and, and and from what i've read it's usually before um and then regarding you know spiritual growth um it's it's a slow process for some and it's fast paced for others but the point is that everyone does progress but the main part of the question is how do we come up with that belief system and and i guess it's it's based predominantly on two sources, one near death experiences, because that's what a lot of experiencers, you know, tell us about how it works. And the second source of information would be channeled accounts from physical and trans mediums. And those accounts mostly occurred from years ago, you know, even a century ago. So, um, uh, I think it's a good question, and, and, and I'm sure that you'd want to chime in on that, Tom, Morris.
2: Yeah, I just, uh, through all of this, all the study, everything that we talk about and are now putting into the belief category did come from evidence, you know, as you say, through accounts from mediums or near-death experiencers or that sort of thing. Uh that's where we get our evidence, and and the evidence, if you do enough study, the evidence creates patterns, and it's those patterns that we hang our hats on.
0: And even as you, I think, were perhaps thinking of, too, some of the things that come through, like being in a tunnel, heading towards the light, if enough people have reported that sort of experience, you you have to, I mean, if they're assuming reliable enough, but you just start to say, oh, okay, so we could put that in the um, true category. As far as having a life review prior to death, I was recently having a conversation with one of the facilitators at some of our retreats, Annie. And Annie had actually been a caregiver for my mom Mm -hmm. near the end of her life. And Annie recently shared with me that quite near, and we didn't know my mom was about to pass. It all happened sort of within a week. Mm -hmm. But Annie told me that my mom started to express to her regrets she had had with um, an interaction with one of her friends. And that doesn't typically sound like my mom to revisit you know things that she potentially may have, um, you know, made an error with Tom's laughing because he knows my mom. Yeah, also, regret
2: wasn't huge on her list of, of virtues,
0: but it, it made me think of that. That, and I think that's what struck Annie as well, and why she shared it with me. That she thought mom was starting to revisit moments in her life where she perhaps wished she had behaved, or acted differently.
1: Yeah.
2: I, I I agree. I think a life review can happen when right now, if you're Hale and Hardy, you can have, as, as we sort of indicated here that you can, you can have your own life review and, and maybe you should be doing it kind of on a semi-regular basis just to keep, uh, you know, keep, keep you on the right path as it were.
0: And make amends with people. And make
2: you... amends. Right. Yeah. Exactly. All the things that you, regret when you can't do it anymore you can do now and then and then of course life review there are people who have life reviews of lives they lived before you know they, they you can go and and go through a process which i haven't done melissa hasn't done but uh, i'd be curious to try one of those
0: have you ever bob has life regression
1: um no I, I don't i don't think i'd be a good subject for it um i don't think that i'd be able to put under you know hypnosis very easily um but um i mean listen there've been a lot of uh, books written by very credible people and you know that give a lot of good evidence i mean the 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 scientists that we know that study um past life memories of children and reincarnation Um, tend to dismiss a lot of the past life regression studies because of that being in a very suggestive uh, state of mind when you're under hypnosis. So they don't fully trust the information, but you can't dispute um, the body of evidence. Um, So I'm I'm open to it. I just don't, I don't think I'd be, you know, most most of the stuff that comes through in a past life regression is not stuff that you can identify
2: Right, um, no you way. know, so
1: it's, yeah, so it's hard to, to um, as a as a research, um, as a discipline of research, you know, it's, it's hard to validate, you know, what's being said. That, that's not to say that it's not real. it's just it's difficult um, from an evidence point of view. Yeah.
0: You know, um, on two occasions I've heard. Well, one was a question I had posed to a medium about my daughter, and was and she and well i'll just say what it was because all during her childhood and hopefully she's over it now being a grown mom of two a horrific fear of blood and and needles and this medium you know claimed she had died in a bloody death in a previous life and and that's and then for my son just his rather again another grown adult with children now but his he was told by a medium, a psychic medium, that, I guess all mediums, we do say that, are psychic, So, but it was a mediumistic reading. However, she was referring to him in, that he, in a past life, uh, things that he had experienced that kind of led to why he is the way he is today. So neither of those were... Did have had anything to do with hypnosis? So it must have been something. If if they were at all valid, tapped mm-hmm. into tapped into his his spirit, or what would you think about that?
1: You know, you know, it's come up before. You know, and because uh, people have asked questions, um, if we have had past lives and we're getting a medium reading, how come the medium? Uh, never gives information about um, a life previous, you know, to this one. And, you know, part of the reason may be that if you're the sitter um, and you had a past lives um, of which you had no knowledge about, you couldn't validate any of the information because you don't remember any of it. So um, if the person in spirit wants to get through to you, um you know they're going to give you information that you can identify, and you just simply can't identify, a, you know, a, you know, information that's from a past life. That doesn't mean theoretically it should a medium should be able to do that because it's uh, your consciousness is a an accumulation of of many consciousnesses, assuming that you had many lifetimes. So it's always a a problem that I I think about it a lot, and and that could be. Maybe sometimes mediums do get such information, but it's not acknowledged, so it's dismissed. Yeah. It could could be really true based on a past life, right?
0: Well, yeah. it, and I'm and, and recalling now with this, um, the question I'd asked about my daughter, the medium actually had a name, came up with a name for her. And I wrote the name down on a piece of paper. I believe we were, oh, we it wasn't in that moment that we were visiting my daughter, but soon afterwards. And I had written the name down on a piece of paper, and I, sim- I had told her nothing about any of this. And I simply handed her the piece of paper and I said, Does this mean anything to you? And it did not.
1: No. All right. Well, it could very easily might have meant something so it was worth a shot yeah. um you're, you're listening to the gathering on signs of life a radio if you'd like to join in a conversation or you had a question the number is 888-627-6008 um i, I do have a, a question here do you believe the inner voice of intuition may actually be a form of telepathic communication um i would say could be. I mean, I think that your that you're in a voice of intuition uh, could be a communication from uh, a discarnate entity. Um, but you could also, on the other hand, be extracting information from an information field, a field of energy um, in this connected universe. So I, I think it could be both.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: What do you have to say about that, guys? <laughs>
0: Well, I'm, you know, I'm reading a. Well, oh, I actually just finished reading a book written um, about a woman's experience with that, and th- the thoughts that were coming into her head. She had recently lost her fiancé, and she had been in deep grief. And now, anything that popped into her head, she, in her state of grief, wasn't trusting as to where is this thought coming from, but through her studies and investigation, she came to realize that it was being transmitted to her by her deceased fiance and it it actually turned into quite an interesting uh, experience for her because she would ask him questions, and he would, it was almost what mediums do, giving, showing her images, signs, making her do the work herself to figure out what was um, going on.
1: Yeah. Um, actually, I, I like this question. If everyone were able to communicate telepathically, what would be different? I think... Um, that's exactly what the afterlife is like where everybody does communicate telepathically. So everything would be different for reasons that we, we discussed earlier Um, also, but just imagine if everybody could communicate telepathically in this physical world, you really couldn't gain an advantage on anybody because they know what you're thinking and they know what your motives are, Right. you know? So um I think ultimately um this physical world would be a better place if that happened or I've not.
0: I've often said, I, I can't wait to be on the other side because my thoughts are so much deeper than whatever comes out of my mouth. So you'll all be <laughs> impressed. You won't even know it's me because you're like, well, that was a deep thought <laughs> that couldn't be. Bob, uh, can I jump in with a question? Yeah,
1: let's do, please.
0: Well, we, as you know, for many, many years, we had afterlife discussion groups, and you and I and Fran met here in on Long Island, Cold Spring Harbor, and one of our members of the afterlife discussion group, Liz, has uh, that, that she and I have stayed in touch and have become close friends and she had a question that i will present for you because i kind of feel like this is more up your alley than what tom and i might currently know i know that we end our program every month by saying our let's our loved ones are only a heartbeat away and science is going to prove it liz wants to know we all science prove one there is life after death. What strides has conventional science made so far in proving this theory? So, well, do you have any updates? <laughs> no. Yeah, I
1: mean, there's yeah. you know, I, I, wish, I wish, I mean, I wish there was, you know, n- new stuff, uh, you know, coming about. I mean, most of the, you know, most of the work is is, is being done following up on research that was done long ago. I mean, we have the same disciplines of research that we refer to all the time. I mean, modern science has better resuscitative uh, techniques for, in, in the medical field. So more and more people that have, um, are being revived. And that means more and more people can talk about experiences they had when they were technically, you know, dead, according to the definition of medical science. So um, the pool and the body of evidence, you know, grows in that respect. Um, But, you know, mediumship, that's been researched for a hundred years. I mean, modern science has been able to show uh, pretty definitively that some people can communicate, you know, with, with discarded entities, but I don't know how far that takes us. You know, what we really need to know and maybe that's what Liz was driving at is how did it, you know, how, what is the mechanism that allows it? And because if we can identify that aspect of consciousness that allows us to do it, then we all could do it. And we could all could do it on a regular basis. And that's ultimately, you know, the goal. Um, people are scientists are trying to um, figure out if there are any um, substances such as DMT or areas of the brain that facilitate um, non-physical communication. And that's an area that has a lot of promise. And that's why a lot of scientists are are, uh, doing brain mapping of people like mediums uh, and and meditators to see differences in, in the brain, which areas light up and stay dark when they're engaged in spirit communication because maybe we can identify something that you know that will ha- uh, help us. But um, ultimately, um, you know, I mean, I don't know what the future holds. You know, I mean, I-, I wish we'd go in different directions, but I don't. I don't personally think that we've made a tremendous amount of, of progress, other than validating what we already knew. You know, mm-hmm. and then when you think about it, it's hard to come up with. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about a a concept of that we're not going to really truly know till we go there, you know. So, uh, so I don't know. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I get frustrated with this with the state, you know, of science, and you wonder if it, you know, and and then others will say, well, maybe that's because you know we're not meant to know, you know. But I don't buy that. I don't. Mm. I I think that we are meant to know, and that's maybe. One of our uh, uh, part of the, the the search for meaning in life is to recognize that we are part of this connected universe, and and and, and we always talk about how the ancients um, originally we we've had that knowledge, you know, and now it's kind of atrophied out of us. So,
2: well, you know, science has been. Uh very physical world base, you know, physics itself is comes from physical. Uh, and it's only recently, and I'm talking recently in the last 60 years, that um, quantum physics has come in to development. And I believe that quantum physics hold a lot of the answers that we're looking for. And so as that a field of science progresses, we may get more answers than
1: we have. Now. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, because, you know, this entanglement, um, you know, concept seems to be very spir- spiritual, you know, sounding. So that may be the answer. You know, ultimately, even despite what we've been saying all these years, you know, and that science is going to prove it, it may be that it's the personal experiences that people have is, is going to go is going to be the ultimate proof as opposed to a scientific discovery, because, you know, when more and more and more and more people have these experiences, you know, more frequently and they talk about it more frequently and it's openly discussed that'll open up a lot of different, you know, channels, you know, so, um, so I, I think that, you know, direct personal contact will have, a lot more to do with, you know, I, I fantasize about, um, and I, I see it within the realm of possibility of scientists coming up with um, a method of EVP that's not one or two word sentences, but a clear, direct communication. And I have my own theories about that. You know, if we could map out an imprint of our own consciousness you know, on the theory that that would stay the same when we, our consciousness goes, you know, survives and goes to the other realm. There could be a, a match if you had a device that could actually, you know, store and plug in that imprint, you know. So, you know, maybe, that, maybe that's where uh, we'll make strides in the future. But uh, other than that, I'm just going to rely on, uh, uh, you can rely on me too. When I go, I'll, I'll help you along and you could do the same for me.
2: (laughs) I hope so. uh,
0: Vice versa. (laughs) Yes,
2: and uh, also there's the, that we're in a new age now. The, the, uh, you know, the Mayan calendar that ended on 2012 uh, has, you know, I don't know what it means necessarily, but other than the fact that it did end, You know people are waiting there at the stroke of midnight to see everything change and of course it's not going to change like that. Uh, I I equate it to the tides coming in. you can sit there on a beach and you can watch and you know the tides coming in and then you know it's coming out but do you actually observe that other than knowing that it's happening other than waiting long enough to see that oh yeah there's there's a way more beach to see well we're in that tidal. Pool right now, where the old age has ended and the new one is there. So the tide has hit its high tide, and now it's going the other way, or it actually feels more that it's hit the low tide at this point, and now we're going. Uh, the tide is coming in with a new age, and there is speculation and uh, many different cultures that believe it's the uh, the new age of enlightenment or awareness. And that I picture that as being that we will open up those channels in the brain that existed when we were children that allowed us to communicate and and with the other side with the other dimension. And while that was weaned out of us as we uh, adjusted to this physical world, I think the more and more people won't wean out of it and and the awareness of uh signs and spiritual uh neighbors if you will will increase to a point where we'll all believe because we'll all ex- be experiencing it as, as a as a yeah humanity hopefully unless we destroy ourselves first
0: You know, Bob, um, it was interesting when you added the part about EVP and I'm guessing you meant almost like a, a DNA, an imprint, like a recognizable something to know because Liz asked another question regarding EVP and she wondered what is the best way to explore electronic voice phenomena, she adds, without turning it into an electronic Ouija board. And I wasn't certain if she meant by that opening the door for anybody and anything, but what, what's your take on that question?
1: Well, I don't know. One of the beautiful things about EVP is apparently the, the ease in which you can do it. So, I mean, it doesn't take a lot of expertise. Um, you know, I mean, the I mean, the more I learn about it, the more I'm convinced that the we'll call it the experiment of the person that's doing the recording has a lot to do with the process. You know, I mean, some people we know, we both know people that get EVP on a regular basis, and some of these researchers. I mean, we did a a webinar with with uh, Sonia Rinaldi, and she's it's unbelievable the evps and the clarity of the messages it's astounding um um, and so you know i sometimes i ask the question i mean do you see yourself as acting as a medium you know when you're doing the evp and they say no but clearly there's some sort of a uh, synchronization that's going on between the the person's consciousness and and coming through because um other people that we know, and we've, we tried it ourselves, right. But there are people that try it for a year or two, um, you know, don't get anything. And then eventually they do, Uh, you know, the the other end of it, what you're asking about is, is there something, is there maybe a portal by which, you know, evil can you know come through? Like a lot of people think about, I don't think it's any different than the mediumship reading. I mean, we know that, um, that doesn't happen in medium readings the mediums tell us that's because they surround themselves with light or ask their guides that for only good information to come through, I suppose you could do the same thing, you know, when you're getting messages, but, you know, an EVP, you're usually setting your intention towards one specific person in spirit, you know, and, and, and that conduit is set up. So personally, I mean, I, wouldn't even consider um, that I would get somebody, communi- I'd just be happy if anybody communicated with me, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I don't, I don't give, but I'm, I have no fear of, of of negative, you know, energy coming through that way.
0: Yeah, I'm with- not really, I'm sorry, Tom, I, I'm not quite sure if, if that is what what Liz was in, in indicating, but I agree. And, and we've always, not that we've had too many experiences with it, but the, not seeking it, but it appears is meaningful to us.
2: Yeah. And, and when you, you make a good point about, uh, you know, the, the, the whole channel of communication, the person doing the, sending out the intention and then collecting the information. Uh, my experience, the best EVP that I've seen personally comes from our, our friend who's a medium you know janet has has had great success so maybe that has something to do with it
1: yeah and and, and i think that you know our loved ones in spirit i mean look at it as an opportunity you know we call it a conduit you know to get through because you know remember sometimes people get messages and they don't know what they are Um, they get recordings and they don't recognize it but then they play it for a friend or a relative, is, and they say oh that's for me and they recognize you know who it is so um, I think that our loved ones can get very very creative and they see pathways that we don't see
0: <laughs> True. do you recall Bob I know Dave Kane had a significant one from his son Nick did were they experimenting or how did it come to them
1: that well in in, in dave's case of uh, the most striking one was through a medium you know where uh, the medium had um had said to um dave's wife joanne you know that nikki dave's son was gonna come through very soon you know and in, in an unusual way and joanne dismissed that because that sounds like just general stuff right and right. and then um they went home because Joanne recorded the session and when they went home and played the recording as if on cue as soon as the medium said that Nikki's going to communicate with you very soon you hear clearly you know hi mom it's Nick you know so uh, you know (laughs) what do you what do you say about that you know I mean if you you know I don't know how the medium even if trickery was involved how they could you know, fake something like that on a recording tape where you don't hear it as you know in EVP when it's while it's uh, being recorded, you only hear it afterwards. So that's incredible. And the, and the thing that we all I think why we're all so interested and excited about EVP is that it's one of the few things that we here in the physical world can experience with our own physical senses. And yeah. you know, we didn't read about it in a book. It's not coming through a third party, you know, I mean it this is, you know, I mean I don't know how you you explain it, but it's um it can be um, tremendously helpful when, I think in grief and you know transformative. that's an area that I think has a lot of future, you know, to it and as more of these great researchers are stepping up.
2: Yeah, I had, I took my mom uh years ago to uh, uh, get a reading from Teresa Caputo and she is notorious for always having a little cassette deck there, and she records all of the readings, and then she'll give you the tape at the end of the reading, and uh, the set. And it was my father coming through, and she said, he just told me he's going to mess with the tape, and, and uh, so I thought, okay, and what I used to do, because cassettes were on their way out at that time, I would bring my cassette, the cassette home, and then I would transfer it to a a CD that we could listen to in the car. And uh, anybody remember CDs? We have an
0: old car. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) But uh, sure enough, I'm listening back to the reading, and she says, oh, and he says he's going to mess with the tape. And then the very next thing is the tape starts going, like, yeah. So, I mean, really, how how could you possibly know that the whole re- we're talking about an hour long reading and only three seconds of it were warped. And and that was just when she said he's going to mess with the tape. Yeah.
1: You know, you just made me think it has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But when you were talking about cassettes, like um, a guy knocked on the door today who was a, an insurance um adjuster for uh the insurance company that insures the condo that i'm staying in so he wanted you know checking for damage and you know of course he had as, as all people do especially insurance adjusters to have these uh, digital cameras and they could take 150 photos in, you know in 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 a minute or two so i said well, you know isn't that amazing i said what you know what did people have to do you know uh when there was no digital you know, and he he just looked at me and he says, "Yeah." I said, "Well, you know, well, I'll tell you what we used to do when I started. I we used Polaroid cameras." He had no idea what I was talking about, and he had wow. he never he never heard a, a a Polaroid. He never heard of a a camera that could do that. You know, he wow. you know, he, he thought it was amazing. You know, <laughs> so it just shows you like something from. Uh, that he never heard of from the past, he, he thought was cool. You know, you want
2: to see if the patent has run out on that, and then introduce it again as a new. Yeah,
1: account. yeah, <laughs> a good idea. Um, here, it was a, a question that came in that you know mo- most religious people have blind faith. What's wrong with having blind faith in in, in life after death? Nothing's wrong with it. I um you know just whatever. Um, you know, some people uh, need more, and some people don't. You know, I, I guess that's why religion, uh, you know, flourishes and is important, you know, to many people because they just, you know, have faith in, the, in a greater source. But other people say, "Well, show me," you know. Well, I, I want, I want to see some evidence. So yeah. I know we tend to look when we're talking about an afterlife. We, 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 people like me need evidence. But I talk to others and. They have an inner knowledge, and they don't really care about science or evidence.
2: Yeah, we're and yeah, you know, we're trying to uh, keep everything we're doing here, especially since we're uh, broadcasting it to other people, to, to make sure that we're not dealing in conjecture and speculation. That we're just relating the evidence that we have seen or read about.
1: Yeah. I know know somebody once said to me, well, you know, what if you're wrong? And, well, you know, what if, what if there's nothing? And I said, well, I guess we'll never know, right? I mean, we can't judge. And when the time is, if we're going to say, oh, I was wrong. I mean, because then if nothing existed, we don't, we don't exist. But we, we all don't feel that way. And, And as Tom alluded to, we don't feel that way based upon the experiences and the evidence that we've, had and seen so uh and, and i and I think that that's important i mean I think it's it's important for everybody not to simply take things at at face value it's 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 a lot more meaningful and profound um when you know there's evidence you know behind it you know uh then on the other hand, you could talk about science and evidence all you want, but if you have one of these unbelievable personal communications <laughs> you know that trumps everything you know yeah. um, people that had near talk to somebody that's had a near-death experience you know they don't care about they already know the evidence you know they've seen it and experienced it you know or, or somebody that has a a dream visitation where they're kissing and talking you know with their loved one um, mm-hmm. or somebody sees their um uh, their loved one um, at the foot of the bed, you know, see mm-hmm. it with their own eyes. So um, talk to those people and, you know, science is immaterial, you know, they, personal evidence takes precedence over uh, academic research, you know, in those cases. So,
2: and I, think- I also think in the big picture, it's not necessarily what you know or what is you believe, but what you do with that information that it's it's uh you know first of all one thing is what i've seen at grief retreats when people get an inkling that this is what we're saying is true it changes their lives i've seen people completely uh do a turnaround in 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 their grief process which is fantastic so true or not, it has a therapeutic value. And then also personally, knowing that or, well, I say knowing believing that we our soul continues after this brief time of physical existence, and that we're an eternal being, it makes me live my life differently. You know, I, I don't try. Yeah. I try not to do harm to anybody and and you know to to send out the love and the positive energy uh and whether i'm wrong as you say if i get to the the pearly gates and they say well that's it you're done then i'm done but the time leading up to that i've lived a better life as far as i can tell
0: i was thinking you guys are making me think if we made a pros and a cons list about belief believing that there's an afterlife what would you even put on the con side i can list hundreds of things for the pros you know live a better life live without fear of death
1: yeah well some of the you know so even people that are you know deeply religious you know might have some cons the way religion sometimes portrays what the afterlife is like you know somebody says wait a second i i'm going to be living in eternity you know floating on a cloud i mean where's the excitement where's the interest you know where's the you know i mean it it doesn't seem very appealing you know but if you (laughs) if you believe that there's learning and excitement and music and art and all with with um like tones and music that you've never heard before uh, that you can actually taste the music and you know colors that are vibrant that you could talk to you know it's supposedly um and that's why I think that some people have synesthesia in 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 the physical world they're getting a view of what the next world is like you know i I believe that in the next world um certainly all our physical senses that we have here are merged together, but probably um, a huge number of other senses that we couldn't understand come into play. So,
0: And uh, it's great because it will have nothing to do with politics, nothing to do with money. It it will be so pure.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll still manifest a pizza once in a while or, <laughs> or a lobster or something like that, but um uh, but you know just just for the kick of it i mean think about you know we talk about people in the next world being able to um manifest manifest things uh by thought so like i I was pondering the other day so i i hate um roller coasters you know i mean i like the idea of it but my stomach comes out of my mouth yeah. on that descent you know I just I, I can't even handle it so the first thing that I'm going to do in the afterlife is I'm going to manifest a roller coaster and my theory will be that it'll be without it'll be with the exhilaration but without the bodily uh, negative effects yeah. i don't have a stomach you know that's going <laughs> so but just pure emotion and a, a pure high you know i mean who knows i think we'll be able to do stuff like that
0: so we should start bucket lists for the afterlife Top of your bucket list? is yeah, a What are you gonna tester. do when you get over there? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's true. We're, we only talk about bucket lists. What we're gonna do before we get there, right? Yeah, yeah, Just exactly. thinking of possibilities after we get there. It's a good idea. I like that bucket that's list good. for the afterlife. <laughs> that, that could be. Um, that could be a, uh, a workshop. Uh, at one of the grief retreats, right? That's true.
0: Yeah,
2: and yeah. and I also I have to throw this in. What I do often is that the enormous amount of accounts that we get from the near death experience the people who have gone through that that say that they were annoyed when they were revived that they had to come back to this world because what they got a glimpse of of, of was so magnificent that we can't even imagine it here
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know there was there was a question that came in during one of the other, you know, shows, and I don't know if we ever got to it. And, um, the question was, do, do you think that mediums are becoming more or less evidential as time moves on? That, that's an interesting question. I never really thought about it. Um, I know that after reading so many books about uh, the mediums, the great mediums in history, Uh the incredible you know communications and evidence that they did i always used to say to myself why why aren't there more of these mediums like where have they all gone you know but you know on the other hand um we've all seen you know mediums today that are in you know incredibly evidential so i don't think that they're either more or less evidential. It's just just different, you know, than it was before. Yeah,
2: and if you're talking about history and you go, oh, well, there was that medium from the 1800s. That was really great. And then, oh, there's a medium from the 1930s. You're, you're talking a handful. And I can give you a handful of mediums right now that are as evidential as you couldn't be any more evidential. So
1: Yeah. The the only difference now um. um is the doubt that people have in the, in the general public only because of the availability of information that's out there, you know, with, with with Facebook and, you know, and Google and, and everything else. Whereas if you were sitting in a, in a seance um, in, you know, 1910, um, you you couldn't research anything, (laughs) you know? So, I mean, I mean, you could, you could research in libraries and records, you know, way after the fact, but nobody's clicking on, you know, a computer to find out instant information so that that just makes it harder on, on the, on the really good mediums today, you know?
2: And also, you know, those seances and whatnot from a hundred years ago are, were a lot of the, they were physical mediumship, which was more spectacular in its uh, awe-inspiring, but then found out that a lot of them were faking it. You know, a good magician can recreate a a successful seance. And we have a handful of physical mediums out there now, and not all of them are real. You know, I mean,
0: they're... they're yeah, that.
1: it's like everything else. The things that are... I mean, we mentioned before how we get the evidence. And one of one of the ways was through the these trance mediums that go into trance. And of course, then you always question, could it be... Are they really in trance? Is this really person and spirit? Or, or, you know, could it be the subconscious or a conscious effort on the part of the medium? You know, but, yeah. you know, sometimes the information is so intricate and 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 uh, sophisticated you know that it's hard hard to believe that the mediums could be the, the most the most fascinating case and i forget the medium involved but it was a medium that was doing automatic uh, writing um and she was being dictated from two different discarnates and she had a pen in the left hand and a pen in the right hand wow. you know, with with paper in, in front of each and she was taking dictation from spirit simultaneously with both hands you know and and it was and it was you know and and it was you know, and, and was, you know legible and it was meaningful and and it made sense and it, and it could be validated you know you know wait some of it could later on so go explain that
2: you
1: know, <laughs> you know incredible stuff well i think uh, at about ends us. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? I think we got about another minute or so. but Well,
0: I do want you to end this with the prayer. Do you still have access to that,
1: Bob? I do. You know, when I evacuated, when the hurricane came, and I grabbed a couple of page, uh, papers, that Global Peace Prayer was in my folder, and that's one of the only things I have left. So, yes, I can read it. And, and this this... This was a a prayer um, that was given to us by Dr. Claude Swanson, who's now on the other side, and his theory was that, you know, by everybody putting their intention out there, we could change, you know, the world. So uh, he wrote, let us as one consciousness give our energy of loving thought by praying like this to love one another, to treat others as we would like to be treated to forgive others and return love for hate kindness for anger to spread this feeling to everyone to our fellow man as well as the earth and its environment
0: and i'd like to say and i truly do believe that our loved ones are only a heartbeat away and
2: eventually science is going to prove it
1: okay we we changed that a bit but it's it's very uh apropos to the topic thank you thanks to everybody uh that joined us tonight um have a good week and we'll talk to you down the road
0: take care Bye-bye. now good night
1: bye